joining us for episode 13 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. It's available to see us in the flesh on VIP YouTube or the three of us tonight. I've got face, faces for radio. You can get it on Spotify and there's going to be an avalanche of other outlets we're available on. I'm Steve Lillis and as usual, my co-host um, and top boxing journalist John Evans with me and our special guest this week, one of the most popular British fighters of the last 25 years and now a top trainer, former British, Commonwealth, European and Irish super welterweight, light middleweight in old money, Jamie Moore. Um, how are you, Jamie? I'm all right, Stevie. How are you, pal? Good, mate. Um, I assume most of the lads are back in the gym now and just wondering when they are going to get some action. Yeah, well, you know, Carl looks like he's going to be the first one out in the new year. Uh, he was back in before um, Christmas. Um, he was due to fly in today to, 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 to get back in there, so I should be picking him up in about an hour's time from the airport. But um, but because we're waiting on this new announcement, then he's just going to hang fire for a day or two and just to make sure he's going to be all right sort of coming back and forward. He doesn't want to come over here and be stuck here for like a month. So, um, so yeah, but... It, We've all been in the gym ticking over, just just keeping busy, but uh, it's difficult times, mate. Yeah, very difficult. Are you missing Martin Murray in the gym? Yeah, mate, we always miss Martin. Obviously, he's, he's not been that long at the moment, so we've not been had that that uh, much time in between to miss him. But uh, but I'm sure he'll be uh, he's, he'll be popping and showing his face anyway. Hey, J Jamie, you know uh, if we're going back into the same lockdown as we had last year, what have a big lessons you learn from preparing fighters in a lockdown last year that you, you can take into this? Because last year was a learning process for everybody, wasn't it? But this year you're going in a little bit more prepared. Yeah, it was. And I mean, obviously it depends on the, the actual restrictions on the lockdown. So the second lockdown was much different than the first, especially with the first six or seven weeks, because after the first six or seven weeks, because we're classed as elite sports, we were allowed to be back in the gym. So um, it's just the, the actual protocol in the gym is a little bit different where you've got to make sure you're staying separate and, and you're keeping that distance in between. So, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, is it, John? It's like every, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and start complaining and whinging like I know many because there's, there's so many more people in far worse conditions and positions than, than we are. You know, if we're allowed to be back in the gym and train, then at least we're allowed to do that. You know, these, these, these hundreds of thousands and millions of people all over the world who aren't allowed to go into the gym, and, and which which is I feel is an essential part of someone's life, if, especially if it's helping them with their mental health and stuff. So um, so there's loads of different aspects to these lockdowns, which I don't like. I don't like lockdowns for the start because I don't think they work in that sense. I think people should be allowed to use the common sense and restrictions in place to stop stuff. But um, but but the the, the knock-on effects of lockdowns and and what you know outside of coronavirus, what they have is is, is immense. Yeah. Okay, so cheers for that, Jamie. And hopefully, people who are stuck in lockdown might get some entertainment listening to your thoughts tonight on boxing. Try our best. That's all we can ever do, Steve. <laughs> for those who listen to Bell to Bell for the first time, we cover six topics over six three-minute rounds. And if one of us is still talking after three minutes, what happens, John Evans? That's already sent Jamie Moore away momentarily. <laughs> um, John, you you usually start up, and I think um, you're gonna you you got the first topic this week. 
Just let me uh, get the timer going. Yeah, well, there's plenty to plenty to look forward to in 2021, isn't there? I think we all want to see Joshua Fury finally get it on and find out who the best heavyweight is. But the thing that's really doing it for me is these lightweights. You know, Ryan Garcia lived up to the hype at weekend and really got the ball rolling and the entire division's coming to a, a, a boil, isn't it? We've got something for everybody. You've got uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who showed that he can box and bang, beating Lomachenko. You've got Devin Haney, who looks maybe the, the classic boxer of the group. Garcia, the new golden boy. You've got Tank Davis, who's got that vicious X factor. Shakur Stevenson's going to be in the mix. You know, what a fighter Shakur's going to be. Um, there's just something for everybody. And the best part about it is that they're all calling each other out, aren't they? They all seem keen to, to mix up and find out who's the best. They all know each other from the amateurs. They've all sparred together. And uh, we can't forget a certain Mr. Lomachenko, who just six months ago was the best fighter in the world. So what a division. And uh, it all seems ready to kick off in 2021. Yeah, you know what, John? I was thinking about the division today. And um, there was, you know, and I think at the moment, you've got to have positivity, you know, positive vibe because it's so shit out there and with lockdowns and stuff. And, on, you know, social media, boxing Twitter yesterday, there was a graphic ESPN put up comparing Leonard Hagler, Hearns and Duran with um, these, these fantastic young lightweights of today. And people just ripped it apart. But you know what? These guys have got long, long careers ahead of them. And, you know, they could cross and become like that. So, you know, we should be embracing them. There's just negativity about all of them with this graphic yesterday. You know, OK, maybe it was a bit over the top. But in 10 years, you know, they could have go through the weights. They could be having cross fights against each other. You know, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I just feel for guys like, you know, Luke Campbell's never won a world title. You know, and there's, there's really good lightweights out there like, you know, Benachek, you know, to Emmanuel Tagu's won 30 on the trot. Now, what chance have they got of winning a world title now? It's, all, it's only over the top at the moment. And that's the thing. In 10 years' time, people will be pulling that picture out of the archives, I feel, and going, there you go, they wasn't far wrong with that. And it might not be a fantastic four, it might be a fantastic six. So, um, so the style-wise, there seems to be a right mix, mixed bag of all different types of styles and, and stuff. And they all seem big at lightweight, which means that there'll be growth and they'll be able to move through the weights as well. So they might end up with trilogies between a few different ones at different weight categories. So, um, so yeah, why not? I mean, of course, it's a bit far-fetched because that's one of the best areas boxing's ever had, that fantastic four. But, but you know, why not dream? Exactly. It doesn't matter who's ranked number one at the moment, does it? It doesn't matter who will come out on the end, but I think as boxing fans, we've been waiting for a series like this and waiting for a group of fighters who've been so keen to, to get it on. Look at uh, Canelo Golovkin. We talked about it for years. Eventually it happened. These lads all seem dead keen on, finally. Oh, you've got to shut up now, mate. You've got to have a good... You was away, John, there. You know what? Keeping positive and, again, something that's riled me a little bit, the negativity around King Ryan, Ryan Garcia. Um... You know, people, you know, going on, okay, there is that bit of Marmite. And, you know, people are saying he'll get bashed up by Tofino, Haney will be too clever, Javonta will punch him into next week if Luke Campbell but can. But you know what? We should be celebrating this guy. Now, yesterday, you know, I, I look at, as a yardstick to boxing, I look at people that are casuals. My father-in-law coming here yesterday to watch the City game. And first thing he asked him was, who's this guy, Garcia, who... Who beat, who, who beat Luke Campbell. He'd never heard of him, but knew about him by yesterday afternoon. 
I noticed, you know, after Fulham football team were putting them on their Instagram stories, they'd, they'd watch the fight. This guy is could have an impact on boxing globally, like Nazim Hamid did in this country. You know, after Nazwani beat Steve Robertson, people were queuing around the corners. The kids wanted to start going to gyms the next day. This kid, this kid is what we, you know, Mayweather was mainstream. This kid is going to take us into the mainstream. Now, we're not saying who he's going to be and not be, but he is only good for boxing. You know, 8.1 million Instagram followers, almost 502,000 on Twitter. You know, Can Canelo, we all love. We're all, we're all wrapped in boxing. But half the man in the street doesn't know him. This, this kid is going to transcend box the sport and, and he, bring it, keep it in the mainstream like Mayweather did at the back end of his career. He is, Steve. And think about this. You know, you're talking, you're comparing him to his popularity wise with Naz. He's probably as popular with Naz now because of social media. You know, there was no social media yeah, when Naz oh, was around, yeah. but he's as popular as Naz is now. And he's only just starting off. So imagine what he's going to be like if he keeps going down the path he's going down. So, you know, I, I don't understand people knocking him. He's just beat a world class yeah. fighter in Luke Campbell and, do, and done a real job on him. I, I don't think people picked up on. The, the ease in which he did it, you know, he, he actually, he sort of simplified it a little bit in a way. He just basically walked him down and, and didn't really lead off with anything and give Luke anything to play off because Luke's such a clever fighter and, and, and he's so experienced going from the amateurs right through the pros. He's seen every single style. He, he, he seems to have an answer for every different part of somebody else's offence. And, and Garcia just didn't give him anything to play off. He just basically walks into the punching range a lot of the time. And then as soon as Luke tried to do something, his hand speeds and his power is that is that ferocious that he makes you so wary all the time. So he, so he sort of takes away your offense as well. So uh, I, th I think he looks easier to beat than he will be. Exactly time, Matt, Jamie, go on your, your first topic. Your first thing, I think you talk about boxers when their career ends. But yeah, my my, my it's, it's been an issue with me for a long time, this lads, and I think um, and I think it's something what definitely needs looking at. I, 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 and I don't know whether it's actually the, the, the boxing board of control who could maybe do something about it, or maybe a branch off it, or something where we could maybe set up a charity or an organisation. I know it has been tried to be to be done in the past, but even something as as little as which which is actually a big thing, but you know, like some sort of switchboard or. or or talk centre where someone can pick the phone. If you know, I, I I struggled when I retired, and and in in the whole scope of it, I didn't struggle. So 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 that tells you how how big the problem is. And we, we hear these horrible stories about fighters ending up with drink and drug problems because they just don't know what to do with their lives, and 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 there's no real sort of information out there or advice for people to, to go to. Um, definitely not during your career. You know, everyone's busy planning and mapping out your career while it's happening, but not really for afterwards. So I think it's a, a concern what needs addressing. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Matthew Hall uh, the other week and he, he said, people were always telling me when I was growing up, I needed, I needed something to fall back on when the boxing ended. He said, but you never even pay it a second's thought. All you're concerned about at that time is fighting. You know, the day-to-day -day life's yeah, great. The yeah. camaraderie in the gym's fantastic. You're fighting fairly regularly because you're young and you don't even want to think about becoming a plumber or a joiner when your career's or It doesn't interest you. And uh, Matthew struggled with it a little bit. And we, we have a big stories about people like Frank Bruno and stuff, don't we, struggling with mental health. But I think it's 
an overriding thing where everybody struggles to a degree. You know, like you just said, yeah. Jamie, you thought you struggled, but in the scheme of things, you didn't. And yeah, maybe no, no. it's time for something to come in now that will cover all aspects of it, not just people who are in the papers with depression and things, but people who are just at a complete lost end with no way to, to turn a pound note. Just a bit of a talk. Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder why nothing has been done. Obviously, it needs financing from, you know, promoters, the board. I mean, I don't know that, the board's financial situation. When you think the support the PFA give, not just the footballers in the Premier League, but even the guys that have been the journeyman footballers, played for 10 clubs in League 3, earning £500 a week. The support's there for them. And, you know, I, I look, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't name names. I, I've helped a couple boxers get into the Priory. And you know what? The, the board absolutely offer no help at all when it comes to it. And, and that, that it does get great to be these sort of things that are not even help during boxing because some fighters struggle during boxing during their career. Yeah, and, and I think I think the only answer to it, I don't think the board have got enough money, you know, they, they haven't got enough money for football have. I think the only answer to it is to set a charity up, some sort of charity where we can make it's a bad one to it's a bad one to cut you off, Jamie. But but they're the rules. No, bad yeah, of course. We'll come back to that one in a little bit. Need, need the dressing. Yeah, no, you addressed it well there, Jamie. And uh, John. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, another Monday, and uh, we're talking about another brave Brit award uh, coming up short abroad with Luke Campbell uh, against Ryan Garcia. Um, over the last few years, it's been the top top guys like Tyson Fury. Cal Frampton and, and James DeGale with a great run over in America who've, who've really succeeded. Um, started to just wonder why that is. Um, it, it's not the amateur pedigree. Britain's got a fantastic Olympic and world championship record over the last four or five Olympic cycles, one of the most successful nations. I just started to wonder if it's because guys aren't proving themselves to be the best of British um, before they move into world title fights. You know, um, we're getting guys winning a British title fight, winning a Lonsdale belt without winning it outright and then just moving straight into world class. Are we missing out on finding out who the best in Britain is before we fight for world titles? And are we missing out on important bridging fights against former world champions? You'll know better than anyone, Jamie. Yeah, John, I think, yeah, I think you're right to a certain extent. I think um, I, there certainly was that problem when I was fighting. Particularly, you know, you had you had the lower level world titles like WBU, which allowed you to sort of fast track to that world world level. It didn't give you that grounding and experience unless you was matched properly, like Ricky Atom was, for instance, where he got gradually brought through. But um, but I don't know. I think so. And now we've got a platform like we've never had before. So you know, fighters. If the if the top level fighters, the, the promoters like to keep them over here and top the bills over here, they don't really like them going over to America. And and then they only end up going over there against another fighter in a sort of 50-50 fighter toss-up. So so you sort of win some, you lose some then. So um so yeah, I think th that was a problem. I don't think it's as much a problem now as it was. And I think you can flip it the other way and say American fighters don't generally like coming over here and, and risking it over there against our top guys as well. Yeah, and also, some of the guys who have been over there lately, and I'm, I'm not knocking them, they, you know, they've deserved their opportunities. They've been, you know, they, we had a few of them on the, on the zone. They've been handsomely rewarded. Have they been put in as, have they, they've gone in as the B side as well with the odd stacks against them, you know, yeah. as well. You know, I think, you know, when James Tennyson fought for his world title, he, he was, you know, Luke Campbell was the B side the other night. You know, Golden Boy made that fight. They, they did their homework. 
and gambled right the other night. Although it was, it was a great matchup. So we, I think we've got to take that into account. There's something also, you know, I think you have touched on before, Jamie. Our good fighters do tend to stay over there. Look at Amir Khan, you know, you know, much maligned, but the brilliant Amir Khan, you know, who he fought in America. Malignardi, yeah. Malignardi, Medina, which is one of the great British wings over there, Zab Judah. Then he had the great fights with Garcia and Peterson. And even when he was past his best, was going over there to fight Carlos Molina, Chris Algieri, Devon Alexander. And you wonder if... on the list. Right. The, the pandemic, the KO um, of boxing that this is causing. Um, you know, we, another lockdown, another delay in boxing. There's not enough doctors, obviously. You, know, you can't have two anaesthetists and a couple of doctors ringside when there's people needed in hospital. I get that. So, you know, I get why the board have put the kibosh on boxing. It seems from talking to people today, it looks like the end of February when hopefully we might get a big world title with someone like Carl Frampton or, or you know, Josh Warren and where is when we're going to be back. But um, I wonder now how many more, but this, this second lockdown through boxing, a further delay, how many more boxers are going to be lost to the sport? You know, something I've raised before, John, on here. We get these guys that um, fight on, say, the Steve Goodwin, the Steve Wood shows. They're pure ticket sellers, these kids. You know, they get matched to 9, 10 and 0. You know, without being cruel, they're not going to knock down doors like Jamie did and win triple titles and stuff like that. You know, they're guys that have to sell tickets to keep to, to earn a living from boxing. How many of them are going to have suddenly got jobs, might have a couple kids, and the wife might say to them, you know, when they say well, I'm going to go back in the gym and train for nine weeks for a fight that might not happen. And you've got to leave your job. They're not going to swallow it. You know, not, not, not every fighter is an elite world champion or someone like you, Jamie, who was unlucky okay. never to get that world title shot. But I'm guessing he did well out of boxing. Small, small percentage of fighters get to that stage where, where they're financially secure. And um, not only that, that aspect does worry me, what you just mentioned, Steve. The, a, a more worrying one for me is the long-term um, future of boxing in terms of grassroots-level amateur boxing, they've not been allowed to, to open properly for the last 12 months. You know, coaching kids outside in the middle of December isn't isn't good enough. And, uh, you know, I understand these. we have to work around it and do certain things to protect people. But, you know, what... Where do the few, where do the fighters, you know, the future stars in ten years' time come from? You know, depending on how long, how long this, how long this goes on for. So, uh, so I think, you know, we'll have the top level fighters around, and so because it sort of overlaps. It's only been a year, you know, just short of a year at the moment, so it can overlap either way at the moment. But depending on how long, how long this goes on for, that could really affect it. Yeah, how quickly the kids fall out of love with things as well. You know, it's. A, a year out of a gym, he, he, they may as well have never boxed in my life. Might be, you know, PlayStations took over, knocking around yeah. with their mates on the streets and stuff. It's not an easy thing to get back in a boxing gym, is it? And and that's the main thing it, for me is keeps them out of trouble. You know, yeah. we're, we're not talking about just making fighters for the future. We're talking about, you know, that's maybe 3% of all boxers who go in a gym might end up turning pro. The other 97%, it changes their life invaluably in the future. And then, and then, topic, you know, you never know what that, that, that was a shot after the bell then, John. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, another thing what sort of 
worries me is the way fighters make weight. You know, this sport's a dangerous, you know, sport as it is. And and I know I had my issues with it towards the end. And and we all sort of try and try and get down to as low a possible weight as we can. And try, you know, perceiving that we're going to have some sort of advantage. And the the more I look back on my career in hindsight, I sort of started to think to myself, I was it was probably a disadvantage. I was taken away from his performance as a fighter and as an athlete by killing myself to get down to the weight rather than being able to perform to, to the best of my ability. Um, and, and also about the timing of the weigh-ins, whether it could be better. You know, I know people weren't a fan towards the end of the weigh-in in the morning of the fight, but maybe that made it fairer because people were forced to fight closer to the weight because now there's more gap to rehydrate, which means that people are going to drag themselves down in weight more. One other thing, Jamie, you'll know this. You're a trainer, and I can remember you at the end of your career, the Ryan Rhodes fight, and the, the, was it one more after that, wasn't it, when you, yeah, yeah. you really yeah. struggled? And, um, you know, I can remember and that was Ryan a way above as well. Remember the Ryan Rhodes fight like yesterday. But does it help? Does it not help? Does it not help some fighters that there's so many fighters and so many trainers who haven't got the experience these days to do weight management properly? You've been there, yeah. suffered. So through your right. your your poor fortune, it, you know, making weight, you're going to know how to do it properly with these kids. Yeah, and and you manage it better. That's the thing. You know, you, you just don't turn up at a weighing as a trainer and go, you know, Jesus, what is your weight doing there? It's, it's not. That's not how it works. But it should be managed better. It could be managed better. And fighters need to set responsibility and know how to do it properly, rather than these faddy sort of let's lose 15 pounds in the last week and, and make weight and get back up 17 pound. It's just unhealthy. Jamie, you, you see lots of trainers on the circuit now. Do, can you can you trust all the trainers not to if, if we did if we move to same day weigh-ins, could you trust a lot of the trainers to do it properly and still not boil the fighters down just to get that try and get that advantage? I think, I think these that might even be a totally separate issue, John, in, in terms of you know, may, and and that might that was maybe going to be one of my questions to be honest in this situation in this um, topic was um, trainers getting licenses. You know, the board have got a, the board have got to man it better. You know, at the moment a lot of I'm seeing a lot of people getting trainers licenses now. Bear in mind a trainers license underneath it should say brackets. You've got this fighter's life in your hands. You know, so so you can't just turn around and go. I've done a strength, a strength and conditioning co uh, course and all of a sudden I've held the pads for a few months and I know how to let combinations go and I've listened. I love the Billy Graham Parrot story. I think it was an absolute nail on the head and I, I think it's a dangerous aspect where you're giving people a trainer's licence to look after the fighter's health and well-being and try and navigate him through a fight which is potentially life-threatening. I think it's a really serious issue. That's probably the most important aspect of a, a trainer's job, isn't it? That those 36 minutes or those 24 minutes, you're not just well, getting someone ready for a fight. You're you know like, what, John? You're John, navigating mate, the, 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 the way is, a fighter's job is to be brave, yeah? A trainer's job is to navigate him through a fight and protect him from being so brave. And, and a lot of the time, I'm not saying, you know, you've got some real, real good trainers out there who've got the fighter's best interest. You've also got trainers who can't see past that. Let's keep pushing this fighter to try and get the win at all costs. And, and that's not 
right, your, your fighters' health and well-being should be first and foremost over the win, even. Yeah. Well, we went way over the time there, but it's worth yeah, talking about that. Hear that from you, Jamie. Um, very good to hear that, and you can tell that it means something. It means a lot to you, and you've something you feel strongly about both topics you raised tonight. And uh, yeah. you know, I hope that people pick up on them, but. It's been a pleasure having you on there, Mr. Moore. Thank, thank you. Yeah, good speaking. Good speaking to you, boys. Hey, we'll have to do a round two, eh? And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get another few questions. Hey, we'll probably get another six weeks lockdown coming up tonight. Big Bojo. So uh, we'll do another one, eh, soon. We'll get you on in another two or three weeks then, mate. Because I think, you know, you might be bored at night. I know you're busy in the day. You can, We can see how your hands are then, mate, from when Frampton's back whacking those pads. Sounds good. He punches like a girl anyway, mate. I'll be sound. <laughs> John, thanks as always to you as well. No worries. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. Take care, boys. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.